Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And now... You are listening live... The Smoking Musket Podcast. Bye, guys. Welcome to another edition of the Smoking Musket Podcast. My name is David Smith. I am joined here by Matt Kircher, M. Kircher 12. We want to thank you for downloading, for listening, for watching YouTube videos, the whole thing. Thank you so much for supporting SmokingMusket.com. Yay. <laughs> Matt, what did you do on your bye week? Absolutely nothing. Nothing? Killed That's a bunch good. of turtles. Good. <laughs> Hope no one from PETA is listening. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Hey, yay. But uh, I didn't really – I watched a lot of football, so good times. Yeah, but, yeah. Basically. Yeah. But, all right, since there was a bye week this week for WVU, we would normally go over the game, which there wasn't. So we'll just go ahead and uh, go through, uh, review all the Big 12 scores, go into part two with Johnny Holiday, Hall of Fame voice of the Maryland Terrapins. He actually, like, we recorded the interview with him uh, last night. Fantastic interview. That dude is awesome. Legitimately really cool. Did you ask how it felt to be the only person in a football stadium watching a game? (laughs) I did not ask that, but I did drop the fact that he has been in over 30 productions. Okay, wait. This is on his Wikipedia page. (laughs) On the stage, Holiday has appeared in over 30 productions and has been nominated for the Ellen Hayes Award for Best Actor in a Washington, D.C. musical for his role, Me and My Girl. Right? (laughs) (laughs) This dude, like, okay, so this guy has broadcasted over 1,200 Maryland games, football and basketball, and he also has been in several musicals. I, Uh, yeah. I mean... Tony Caridi does Northside Automotive commercials. <laughs> he actually called out Caridi during the interview. It's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's, please stick around for it. I absolutely love it. So part two, we have that. In part three, we will go over our preview of the Maryland game and give you our insight on that. We're going to win. Yay. Yay. But okay. All right. Big 12? Big 12? Big 12. I know where we're going to start. Austin. Texas. Texas Longhorns not only lose their AD, but they lose 45-44 to Cal in Austin. I actually thought Cal was going to win by a lot more, but the way Texas loses this game is just brutal. Texas kept it close for most of the game. Actually, it was tied to half. Cal comes out and scores three touchdowns in the third quarter. The game looks completely over. This is all during the hysteria of Saturday night. 
And then Texas ends up storming back during the fourth quarter, scoring three TDs. Gerard Hurd, like, with a 45-yard run to seemingly tie the game. And then Nick Rose, the place kicker for Longhorns, misses the game-tying extra points. And Cal takes a knee and goes on to win. I think the best thing about that is just Gus on the play call just saying, bless his heart, in complete silence. It could have been also Jared Goff pretty much yelling, what the f***? (laughs) (laughs) On the sideline, that was a good time. I've watched the Browns for 15 years, and I don't think that even they have lost a game by driving and missing an extra point. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. But, yeah, this is one of the most excruciating losses I've ever seen, just as a neutral uh, viewer. (laughs) But... In all honesty, yes, Texas lost the game, but Drawn Hurd played very well, getting 364 yards and single-handedly leading Longhorns back in the fourth quarter. Charlie Strong comes out and ended up like consoling Nick Rose, a place kicker, till 1 a.m. that night. <laughs> but yeah, Texas lost, but they gained a starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean that's a small victory in that. I mean Hurd is clearly they're going to be their guy going forward, and you're setting up a pretty good matchup here in a couple of weeks with Texas and Oklahoma with Hurd and Baker Mayfield. It's going to be fun. <laughs> anyway, game number two: Texas Tech beating Arkansas 35-24 in Walmartburg, a.k.a. Fayetteville. Um, Pat Mahomes going 435, one touchdown, two interceptions, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, yeah, didn't we were wrong. We were really, really wrong. I really thought Arkansas just kind of took the Toledo game off and then we're going to be a lot better, and that is not the case. Um, Clearly, Arkansas is just really bad. Okay, so that's the question. Is Arkansas really bad, or is Texas Tech actually good? Um, I think Arkansas is really bad. I don't know if Texas Tech is really good yet. I think they're better than last year. Mm-hmm. I think they sit on a rank that's a little bit above Kansas and Iowa State instead of being on that same tier. Right. I still don't know if they're actually good yet. And, I mean, we might find out this week. Yeah, we might. We should. They play TCU. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But, yeah, so, I mean, after the game also, Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, here is a clip of him. And the presser, he's a little heated. I just think the physicality, um, that's a program that prides themselves on being physical. And um, at the Texas High School Coaches Convention this summer, he stood up and said, if you don't play with a fullback, we'll kick your ass. If you throw it 70 times a game, we'll kick your ass. And uh, he just got his ass kicked twice in a row and probably next week by A&M as well. So that did feel good. Hey, Cliff Kingsbury's mad. And I think, I mean, if he's mad, Kevin someone's probably really mad too. I think the rivalry between Burt and all of the air raid coaches is one of the most underrated rivalries <laughs> in all of sports right now. I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> I can't it argue does with not that. get nearly enough talk in the mainstream. <laughs> Texas Tech ends up coming out of that now 3-0. and And in case we did not mention this, Texas comes out of their game one and two with those two losses one Notre Dame one a Cal and their single win being against Rice but yeah so all right yeah first off before we do actually do the big dumb thing of the week TCU ends up winning 56 37 
Um, basically the SMU Baylor game, which is what yeah, I thought it would be. Basically. It turns out I'm pretty sure SMU is actually a legitimately good team. Matt Davis, their quarterback, throws for 330 yards, one touchdown, and he runs for two more. So that's not too bad. But Trevon Boykin, he's just ridiculous throwing for 450, five touchdowns. That's insane. And running for another one. That's ridiculous. Good, because they aren't actually fielding a defense anymore. And here's the big dumb thing of the week. Hit it! Are you stupid or something? What? You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. What a idiot. I award you no points. What? Oh, what a loser. And may God have mercy on your soul. Good. Good. More for me and you. So, TCU has lost a grand total of six starters already this season. And with the news breaking this week that they have lost another one, Mike Tuua, 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 I think, pretty sure. But yeah, him and I think a a freshman receiver as well uh, due to, I guess, legal problems. That's as far as we kind of want to get into it. But they've had everything go on with the TCU defense whenever it comes to legal problems, to injuries, to a guy just deciding personal problems he doesn't want to play. Like yeah, they've basically had everything this season. Yeah, that is the I've never crowd. really seen anything like it. I mean, I guess the closest thing to it would be like the 49ers off season. I guess I, this is like, I don't even know if it's just being a dumb, but I, I think it's being a dump of like how absurd it is, like how they continue to lose players. We're not saying your team is dumb for getting hurt. Right. Just, it's just, it's big and dumb for just how incredibly silly it is. Like, I my open Twitter, TCU has lost a defensive starter. Here's the thing about this. Gary Patterson is a legitimately good defensive coach. Like, that is one of the reasons why this TCU squad, I would even say that, I mean, is still looked at as a good team and can still actually play and are still winning games rather than getting, like, you know, just having everything implode because they're losing so many people. But actually that like just not having players will catch yeah. up to you. Like you can scheme well as much as you want, but eventually not having players kills you. Depth matters in the Big Twelve. It really does. We found that out. You get you have to be able to sub in because you're going a thousand miles an hour in yep. this league, and when you have the chance to sub in, you actually have to do it. Exactly right. I mean, West Virginia found this out in 2012. Like, we had some of the quality players, but we just didn't have enough of them. So, TCU, with losing six people starting on the defensive side, they might lose to Texas Tech. And I don't it, think uh, you can call them the favorite anymore. I think they're being favored by eight, technically, but I don't know. It's... It's incredible what is going on in Fort Worth right now. And then Gary Patterson going on and saying, like, like our problems up here aren't even in this, like, something like aren't even close to the problems that Waco is having right now off the field, which is like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) all right, dude, that was, you need to slow your roll a little bit. Like, I totally get it, but damn, dude, like. That's in Lubbock, too. That's That's not great. Yeah. Never know when a sandstorm just shows up. And... That's what you meant, right? South Carolina magically shows up. But yeah, so TCU ends up winning that game. They continue to be 3-0. Trevon Boykin's awesome, but I don't know if the Horned Frogs are going to be able to compete for third place 
this year if their defense continues to just implode. It's incredible to me. But moving on, Iowa State lost to Toledo at Toledo 30-23 in double overtime. Toledo's going to the playoff, aren't they? (laughs) Yes. So, question. Last week, I asked you if Paul Rose is going to get fired if he loses this game. Is Paul Rose going to get fired? Probably. I yeah. don't see him. I think this is his end in Iowa State because I don't think they can beat anybody in the league outside of Kansas. That's not going to be enough. <sighs> That's not good. Like you know, maybe they just like I don't even know if like a token giant Ames upset is enough to save Paul Rose this season. Mm-hmm. I think it's done there. Woof. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah. Also, just to mention us. Baylor and Kansas were all on bye weeks this week. And actually, that was a really good thing, because there was a lot of dumb going on this week. That was a whole lot of dumb, and it's crazy how contagious the dumb is in college football. Because (laughs) these teams are just playing states apart, and it seems like they just all catch it at once. This was a dumb week, and I'm so glad we just decided. Yep. It just spread. They needed to quarantine that failed oh god it just just spread from that game onto everything yep also kind of fun game Kansas state ends up going into three overtimes with louisiana tech in manhattan winning 39 33 jeff griscoll former florida quarterback ends up throwing for over 300 yards one touchdown he ends up running for two more and Joe Hubner just standing in there, almost 200 yards, three passing touchdowns. They squeak it out, and I am – I just don't know if – I mean, Louisiana Tech is, like, one of those teams that is just always good. But I don't know about K-State, man. Yeah, I don't know if there's Bill Snyder wizardry going on this season. This is a weird year in the Big 12. Yeah. There's a lot of mediocre that could be good that shows flashes of being good. Yep. And that plus – uh, moving on, I mean, I guess OU beating Tulsa at home 52-38, which was also kind of weird. Like, if Tulsa had any type of a defense, this game would have been fun, but OU seemed to score just at will. Yeah, I mean, they basically named yeah. their score in that game, so Tulsa kept it close, but... Just kind of wonders, I mean, Dane Evans for Tulsa ends up throwing for over 400 yards and four touchdowns, and pretty much Baker Mayfield matches that entire uh, stat line and also runs for two, so... I mean, is Oklahoma's defense good or is Tulsa good? I I mean, if Oklahoma, if they have vulnerabilities on the outside, that's something that we can exploit with Durant and uh, Sheldon Gibson. That'd be nice. That would be nice. (laughs) And lastly, just for no fun at all, Oklahoma State destroys UTSA 69-14 at home. There's pretty much nothing to say about that, other than the fact that they just destroyed everything. Mason Rudolph ends up throwing 282 touchdowns. Chris Carson, their running back, ends up getting over 100 yards and two touchdowns as well. So yeah, that's the Big 12. I hope that wasn't as boring as I thought it was. Yep. And now let's talk about Kansas and Rutgers. Hooray! Actually, we're going to go over to part two, where we had Johnny Holiday to come on to talk to us about the Maryland game, and um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to chat with him. He, it's actually a really great interview, man. It's a good time. But yeah, so enjoy that. This is the end of part one. Move over to part two, and part three, we will give you our preview of Maryland. Stick around. 
Alright guys, welcome to part two of the Smoking Musket Podcast. Our guest tonight, since 1979, he's been the voice of University of Maryland football and basketball, broadcasting over 1,200 Maryland games. He is the host of Nats Extra on MASN. He's covered many teams in sports. He's been affiliated with the San Francisco Warriors, the Bullets, the Wizards, Redskins, Browns, Raiders, Giants, many more. On a collegiate level, he's covered Stanford, Cal, Navy, and George Washington. He's covered the Olympics, championship boxing, and the Masters. I have to catch my breath at this point. In 2014, <laughs> he's, he was inducted to the Washington, D.C. Sports oh, Hall of Fame. Man. This is great. Keep it going. <laughs> Tonight, we have Johnny Holiday, who actually personally... We really appreciate you going ahead and postponing the Nats O's game tonight to join us. So that's very nice of you. Yeah, because you know, if, if the game wasn't postponed tonight, I'd be talking to you on a cell phone from the press box, and you wouldn't be able to hear anything. That's true. With, with the noise of a, you know, we expect to have like forty thousand people, but because of the rain, it's just me and you, just me and you now. Back with the baseball. Well, all right, let's get started on this. Let's get a quarterback first. To start the year, Perry Hills started at the quarterback for the Terps. He struggled a little bit over the first two games against Bowling Green. They lose 48-27 at home. Not a great loss for the Terps. Now sophomore Caleb Bro steps in, and he's appears to have done pretty well in taking over the starting spot. What does Rowe bring to this offense that makes it a threat? Well, I think the first thing he brings a great arm. He's a terrific passer. He's got a great arm strength, great vision downfield, and he's a much better passer than he is a runner, although he can run if he has to. Uh, C.J. Brown, the quarterback the last, it seemed like 10 years at Maryland, uh, could do both and both equally as well, run the ball and throw the ball. But I think what Caleb brings, I, I think the defenses can't stack the box when he's up under center or in the shotgun because he can do a lot of things. He can sprint out and he can stay in the pocket. He can go short. He can go long. Uh, as I mentioned, he's got great field vision. Probably the only problem he has to work on, and I think he admitted this after the uh, game against uh, USF on Saturday, was he's got to cut down on making bad decisions, which he, uh, as every quarterback does from time to time, sure. and also – making sure it cuts down the interceptions. He had three, so he's got five now in a game in about five minutes that he played last week against uh, Bowling Green. So he's got to cut down on those. But he had four touchdown passes against USF, and he really led this team to a terrific, terrific win, and he brought the spark that they needed uh, from that loss against Bowling Green, who I think is probably going to win that conference. They are just an absolute powerhouse uh, when it comes to offense, but he started to, he, last last time he I think Caleb started was against the Clemson uh, Tigers back about two years ago, and uh, but he's been hurt so doggone much. He's got two ACL operations, and that really set him back both times. And when he when he got hurt, he'd been going extremely well. He came off a big game at Boston College, and he got hurt uh, last year. Uh, so now he's healthy. There's, there's been no health, health issues at all. He's He's been able to practice and hasn't missed anything. And I think the only reason he wasn't starting to begin the season is the fact that maybe he thought this job was his going in and probably in the minds of Randy Essel didn't work as hard as he should have uh, to make sure he earned the starting spot. And one thing about Coach Etzel, he's not going to play games with 
who should be or the fans think should be the starter or who the media thinks should be the starter. He goes strictly by production and effort and practice. And Perry Hills did the most work, had the most impressive credentials of all three quarterbacks. And here's Caleb Rowe and Dax Garman, who transferred in from Oklahoma State and started out there eight times last year. They're like second and third team. But now, uh, Hills, after the Bowling Green game, Randy Etzel thought he had to make a change, and he went with uh, Caleb Rowe, and it turned out to be okay. Now, the question is, can he keep it going against West Virginia uh, in Morgantown, which will be the biggest challenge he's had as a young quarterback? Oh, absolutely. And start of the season against Richmond, it looked like the Terps were going to go with a more of a power running game with Brandon Ross in the backfield. But now it looks like more of a balanced attack. I mean, they went 34 rushing plays and 34 passing plays. Cannot get more balanced than that against USF. Does Mike Loxley want to be as balanced as possible in his game plan? I, I think he does. I think that uh, but one of the things that, that they had the game plan for USF is they had to throw the ball because they ravaged 150 yards passing the first two games, uh, maybe 160. That's just, that's just not going to get it done. Right. So here comes Caleb. He throws for 297 yards, and with 114 tacked on offensively running the ball, you got, you got over 400 yards of offense in one game. That's exactly what he needs. Otherwise, if you're just going to run the ball, they're going to stack the box. You're going to have a heck of a tough time doing that. Brandon Ross had 150 yards. Uh, against Richmond in his first game and tailed off dramatically in the second game because they didn't need to have him run the ball that much. The passing game was was going so well. But Loxley, yeah, I think every team likes to be balanced a little bit, but you go with your strengths, and I think, to me at least anyhow, Brandon Ross can run the ball, Wes Brown can certainly run the ball, Mm -hmm. and the young kid Ty Johnson from Cumberland, Maryland, has been the surprise of all three backs. Only a freshman who I believe had 77 touchdowns or some ridiculous number playing at Fort Hill High School. And he is absolutely dynamite when he gets on that field. A great open field runner with tremendous speed. And eventually this guy's going to be the number one running back maybe next year after Brandon Ross graduates. And then Wes Brown, of course, didn't play that much against USF. Uh, he was ejected from the ball game uh, early in the first quarter, a uh, helmet-to-helmet hit, and that is automatic ejection, of course, as you know. But right. uh, with this football team, I think they can do they can do equally as well running the ball or throwing the ball. They've got good power for runners and an excellent thrower in, in the Caleb Rowe. That's right. And so, everyone, you're listening to the Smoking Musket Podcast. We have on the voice of the Terps, Johnny Holiday. Johnny, you're just talking about the weapons on the offense and just moving to the defense. Junior defensive back William Likely is as much of an offensive weapon on the Terps roster. He already has two punts returned for a touchdown this year, and he leads the nation in punt return yardage with 337. And second place isn't even close. Is he as dynamic of a player as we've seen during the Edsel era? Absolutely. He's better than that. He's averaging in his career of returning punts 16 yards a punt return. I think now uh, he holds eight Maryland records, and he's now the leader, an all-time leader in career yards return for punts. And the thing about Will Likely, and it's a great, a great job and a great inspiration piece for young people who think that maybe they're not big enough to play the game of football. Mm-hmm. And he has proven you don't have to be big. Will's only 5'7". And he goes about 175 pounds, maybe. 
but he's from Belle Glade, Florida, and grew up in a pretty tough environment down there, and he had to fight for everything he got. And he is just as good a kid off the field as he is on the field. And, you know, when he's back there in that cornerback spot, there's a lot of times he's covering wide receivers, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". It doesn't matter. He wants the best receiver on the other team to try to shut him down. And nine times out of ten, he does just that. He can return punts. He can return the kickoffs. He can play secondary. He can intercept passes. I mean, this kid just does everything. And that's one of the strong points of this Maryland secondary, I think. When you got Likely back there, you got Sean Davis back there. And it's, it's a veteran unit that has played together a lot of games, a lot of starts between those four guys in the secondary. And that's a real strong point for this football team. Absolutely, and you were just mentioning the defense. I mean, unfortunately, Brian Stewart ends up leaving College Park from Mike Riley's staff in Nebraska. Keith Dzinski is promoted from the linebackers coach to defensive coordinator, and that secondary is definitely one of the strengths of this entire roster. I mean, for anybody who doesn't really know the Terps, while the Bowling Green game, like, they give up a lot of passing yards. I think Matt Johnson and Roger Lewis are both leading the country in their respective uh, individual stats with Johnson leading the nation in passing and Roger Lewis leading the nation in receiving yards. They're definitely a good team. Don't let those stats fool you about the Maryland defense. What can you tell us about the transition going back to 4-3 for the Terps defensively? Well, I think that the Dzinski is a pretty good defensive coach, and I think he took the challenge of stepping in there. The great thing about Keith is he's got wonderful relationships and connections with the players. The players love him. They want to play for him. He's a fiery guy, but he's a very understanding coach. He's like a player's coach, and they really want to do everything they can to help this guy win. Now, the Bowling Green game, I don't know how many quarterbacks in the country uh, are as good as this guy. Uh, he just riddled the Maryland secondary uh, to pieces. And the difference in that game and, and the game against USF is the secondary against USF gave up 60 yards passing. 60. That's all. They made a point of saying we're never going to we're never going to be in a, in a situation like this again where we're going to be riddled by some quarterback. Now this guy's a veteran. He's a senior. And the thing about Johnson, he's not very big, but he's smart as can be. He knows exactly where these receivers are going to be at all times. So I think the switch to defensively, Dzinski feels he wants to take advantage of the best athletes he has in the team. And a perfect example is Yannick Ngakwe. And he's got five sacks already of the 14 the team has in three games. He's got five of them. And last year, like a linebacker spot for him, now he's going to be moving around a little bit on the outside. He comes back to the inside. And he can do a lot of different things. So Coach Dudzinski taking advantage of the athleticism of the guys he's got and I, I think the switch is going to be good for them. I think it's working so far. Uh, certainly the Bowling Green game wasn't a good indication of that. But I, I like the way they bounce back against USF. I think the mark of a good team is when things are going well, that's good. You know, that's no problem because you're, you're clicking on all cylinders. It's when things aren't going well, when you're struggling and giving up a lot of points or a lot of yardage when you have to make decisions to change this or change that or make personnel changes that's the real challenge for a football team and i think they answered that quite well last week 
Sure. And finally, Johnny, you've been around this sports landscape for quite a while, college to pro, East Coast to West Coast, and the Maryland-West Virginia rivalry is a fascinating creature with the fan bases kind of getting along relatively whenever it comes to level-headed college fan bases. (laughs) How would you describe your viewpoint of this rivalry? I'd say the rivalry to me, anyhow, is one of the best in college football. I love coming to Morgantown only because I love the enthusiasm, uh, the dedicated fans they have, the rabid fans they have, and they really know football. And, you know, you don't know how much this means to a team to have the fans behind them the way the Mountaineer fans are behind their football team. At Maryland, we've got the same thing here. Everybody wants these guys to win, and if you can be vocal, if you can be uh, demonstrative in the stadium and let the fans know you know, who you're for, that just helps that team in the field that much more. When you go to Morgantown, you know that you're going to be in for a battle for your life uh, to win that football game. But I, I'd love, I think there was a couple of years where they didn't play each other, but down through the years, I, I remember some great, great games down there and here in College Park and up in Baltimore. Tips have not won in Morgantown, I think, since back when Scott McBrien was the quarterback that had to be in 2002 when Scott went back and, and knocked off West Virginia 48-17 and he had originally from West Virginia, yeah he'd yeah. originally been playing for West Virginia and then uh, Rich Rodriguez and he did not see eye to eye and Scott transferred to Maryland and of course the rest is history of what he did for the football team here but I lo- I love the rivalry I love that I love the fans when they come to College Park they bring a whole boatload of people up here. And you know they're in that stadium. And I remember the last time we played in Baltimore a couple of years ago, uh, the Terps won that game 37 nothing. but it looked like maybe a quarter of the stands were full of West Virginia people. They traveled so well, and I just don't think there's anything like it. Uh, I'd rather see, I'd rather see when they talk about rivalries, Maryland, West Virginia, than a Maryland and Penn State. That's too far away. But West Virginia is not that far away. I like it. Johnny, we appreciate you taking the time and canceling that, that game. Am I done? Really appreciate it. You are. You're done. done. If you want to stick around, you can. Yeah, I'd we like have to more things to another, talk about. I want to go for another ten or fifteen minutes. Hey, I mean, if you want to tell me about your role in me and my girl, you absolutely <laughs> are out. I can say. I'm going to sing a couple. Of, see, let me ask you one question. Sure. Now, the big problem. The big problem I see for Maryland this week, okay, uh, is it's the 52nd meeting between these two teams, right? Sure. And West Virginia's won 27, Maryland's won 22. Remember, remember last year, well, 40, what, 40-37 at a Lambert field goal yes. as time expired to win that game. But West Virginia put up 694 yards of total offense. Those numbers are criminal. I hope they don't do that again this coming Saturday. I don't think they will. I think it's, I think it's going to be a good ball game. I think it's going to be definitely a defensive battle. And the question for me yeah. would be, with Caleb Rowe already being, uh, I don't want to say a liability, but I think that might be quite right. Uh, this West Virginia defense might be one of the best in the nation. I would say at least top 15. So with Maryland already, like, kind of right now hitting their stride after coming out of that USF game, right. I, I want to see if Caleb Rowe can really move the ball against an actual defense with an actual away crowd in the stadium whenever he's already kind of a gunslinger. 
He is a gunslinger, no question. And the, the good thing about Caleb's work so far, at least in the game he started last week, was the fact that he's, he wasn't touched. The offensive line in three games for Maryland has not given up a sack. I, I hope they can continue that against a very, very good West Virginia defense. We'll see. Mountain News have won eight of the last nine, so the Turks have certainly got the, that's, that number circled. they got to go down there and, and make amends for a lot of losses in the past. We'll see. should be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. Johnny, thank yeah. you so much for coming on. And, uh, you know, get, tell Tony Creedy I'm coming for his job. Well, let me just ask you something. I'm not going to put you in the spot, but, you know, he's my idol because when I was in elementary school, I used to listen to him. Really? Do games. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's been one of my favorites for all the years. You know, and I, my, my goal was to meet Tony in person sometime, <laughs> and I finally had, had that chance some years ago. He's an icon. He's a legend. And I kind of, I kind of, you know, put my style like I want to be like Tony Carini because I've looked up to him over all these years. <laughs> I'll be sure <laughs> to let everyone I, I know all yeah, of please that Please let them know, okay? I will. Yeah. All right. Hey, this has been a pleasure. Thanks so much for asking me to come on. I really enjoyed it. Johnny, it has been an absolute pleasure on my part. And thank you so much. And guys, all right. That's the end of part two, and we're going to take a break and come back and give you our preview of the West Virginia Maryland game. Stick around. All right, welcome to part three. We want to thank again Johnny Holiday for coming on. That was so much fun. West Virginia on Saturday plays Maryland on Fox Sports 1, 3 p.m. at Milan Pushfire Stadium. Maryland last year ended up going 7-6. and six. Of course, West Virginia wins in College Park on a Josh Lambert field goal, 40-37, to in a game that probably shouldn't have been that close, but whatever. Oh, we sort of collapsed at the end of that. <laughs> yeah, but Maryland's best win last year was probably away at Penn State 20-19. They end up getting into the Foster's Farms Bowl and playing Stanford, which is never good because, I mean, you're playing Stanford in the Farms Bowl. That's not going to work out. And they end up losing 45-21. So, yeah, they end up 7-6 last year. Randy Etzel kind of on the hot seat at this point. I'm pretty sure think, he kind of is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's heavily on the hot seat. Yeah. I don't, the only reason that he might not be on the hot seat is because Maryland's athletic department is broke. <laughs> but, yeah. So, all right, so far right now they're 2-1. and one. Uh, they beat Richmond 50-21 at home, and then they lost to Bowling Green at home. In a weird game where it was like raining, it was terrible, there was no one there, and they ended up losing 48-27. And that game, it's kind of hard to get a little bit of a good feel on it, just because Bowling Green's Matt Johnson and their wide receiver, Roger Lewis, Matt Johnson is leading the country in passing yards, and Roger Lewis is leading the country in receiving yards. So, I I mean, I was talking to Johnny about this, like, yes, that is a bad loss to have, but Bowling Green might be super legit, especially with their game that they had against Tennessee. So, it's hard to kind of judge Maryland on that. And then they come out last week and beat USF at home 35-17, which, according to some of those Twitter pictures, not a lot of people at that game. Nope. So, that's not great, but... But yeah, so, I mean, after the Bowling Green game, Perry Hills ends up getting subbed out. Caleb Burrow subs in, 
And as we were talking about with Johnny, I mean, Caleb Rowe is definitely a gunslinger. He puts stats up whenever it comes to passing yards. He makes the Maryland offense that much more explosive. But that dude just throws interceptions, man. And uh, Joseph likes that. Yeah. Yeah. Carl Joseph and the rest of the West Virginia secondary are huge fans of that. And, I mean, as I was saying with Johnny, like, I am very interested to see if he's able to make good decisions in a hostile crowd, him being a sophomore, if they turn the ball over against West Virginia and put WVU in a good spot, a field position-wise, I mean, that they have to play perfect. If he's just going to throw balls up and pray for him to come down, I think we're going to feast on that, whether it's Joseph, whether it's Worley, whether it's Drayvon Henry. There are going to be interceptions. For sure. It's going to happen. So, Caleb Bro, if Maryland is going to knock off West Virginia in Morgantown, he has to really, really dial it in. And their other biggest weapon, I mentioned to it, like uh, referring to Part 2 again, I mean, William Likely is a threat. He is legitimately good. The worst thing that could happen for us is to give up a big special teams yes. play early. Nick O'Toole must have a good game. And he must continue to kick it out of bounds. Like, Nuka Tool can neutralize William Likely in special teams with good kicks. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the major danger points whenever it comes to this Terrapins team. And so if he's able to have one of those days where he's putting balls on the five and they immediately jump to the outside. You take away their best weapon. That's huge. You know, that covers special teams. Josh Lambert's very good. So not a lot of question marks whenever it comes to that for West Virginia matching up with them. I I think we match up very well in this game. Yeah. We have to avoid a situation where we stall out on a drive early and then give up a big special teams play. Which very much could happen because one of the strengths of this Maryland team is their secondary. And, like, their front seven has, like, they lost a lot last year, but they still have some players that can make plays up there they still have some dynamic players that can really help out their team they're very serviceable in the, in the front and they're good in the back whenever it comes to the secondary yeah, so are. west virginia's offense might struggle a little bit but it will be up to west virginia's defense to smother the terrapins on offense and i would not be surprised if it's like 14 to 3 going in a half with west virginia just not able to get a lot of first downs just trying to feel it out and with the defense just putting a clamp on them I think West Virginia wins this by 17, and I think it's probably... I wouldn't be surprised if West Virginia gets a defensive touchdown, if not two. I can see that happening. Two is going out on a limb, but a defensive touchdown, especially if we jump out to a lead and Rowe starts pressing, tries to make something happen that's not there. Yeah, trying to force it, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got for you. I mean, Brandon Ross is really good whenever it comes to their mm-hmm. rushing. Like, he, he's a very serviceable... Yeah. Um, he's a very good running back. Running I mean. back, yeah. And uh, whenever it comes to receiving, Tavon Jacobs is good. Laverne Jacobs also good. But I don't think with those two... Like, I don't think those guys don't are good have, enough. Yeah, they don't have anybody that worries me on the level of Stephon Diggs. Right. Like, there's nobody on this receiving core that you need to just be terrified about. Exactly. You're absolutely right. That's actually something I should have mentioned uh, going into this. Like, C.J. Brown's gone, Stephon Diggs is gone, Dion Long is gone, and Maryland's starting center from last year is gone. So, whenever it comes to the, like that offense, they're still trying to figure it out, really. Uh, and then on the defensive side, defensive coordinator Brian Stewart leaves for Nebraska with Mike Rowley. Keith Duzinski, first year as D coordinator, moves up from the linebacker coach. They move to a 4-3 alignment. 
Holgerson was talking about how that's a little bit easier whenever it comes to blocking schemes to work on that 4-3 than the 3-4. So I think West Virginia wins this by 17. I can see 17 to 24, somewhere like that. You're, I think they win comfortably. I do. I will say, though, one thing that we do need to mention is that true freshman Avery Edwards had a big game against USF. And so if Maryland does get into the red zone, don't be surprised if they go to this huge guy <laughs> in the red zone. And I would say a tight end pretty much a good big tight end gets pretty much anyone problems whenever it comes to the We haven't been zone. able to cover a tight end like, oh, yeah. in my entire life. Exactly. <laughs> So don't be surprised if Avery Edwards for the Terrapins ends up maybe even gashing him for some open field yards, not even in the red zone. But if the Terps get into the red zone, they're going to go to Avery Edwards for sure. Yep. So get him on DraftKings. Do it. This podcast has been brought to you by DraftKings. <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> not until they actually do it. <laughs> But I kind of wish Caleb Bro wasn't starting. It would be fun to see Dax Garman out there, just because, you know, full circle with Oklahoma State and everything. Yeah. But um, that's not going to happen. So, yeah. Sadness. But, yeah, so I think West Virginia ends up winning, and Maryland goes into their conference slate 2-2, two and two, going and hosting Michigan at 8 p.m. on the Big Ten Network next Saturday. <laughs> College football 2015. Hooray! All right, want to go through the Big 12 slate? Yeah, let's go. All right, let me pull this up here. Also, preview for next week's big dumb thing of the week. If West Virginia doesn't do something super, super stupid, mm-hmm. fall weddings. <laughs> Let's just say that uh, I will be attending a wedding next Saturday when West Virginia goes to Norman, and I am not upset that it is at noon Eastern time because that means I'm going to at least get to see some of the game. So that's a little bit of a preview. <sighs> Matt, I swear to God, if you guys get married on a Saturday in the fall, I'm not going to do anything, <laughs> but I'm going to say something. <laughs> Is that fair? Okay. Fair. You wouldn't do that to me, would you? Uh, stay tuned. Fine. All right. So now I'm upset. Week four in the Big 12. I can't guarantee anything yet. We really have no idea. You're the worst. <laughs> Noon on Saturday, September 26th, the Kansas Jayhawks. Travel to Piscataway, New Jersey to face the Rucker Scarlet Knights. Do not miss this one on the Big Ten Network. This is where game day is this week, right? <laughs> Why wouldn't they be? They have a full feature on Kyle Flood. It's the dumbest thing ever. If you if anyone there hasn't read the Kyle Flood investigation, go on every day should be Saturday. And just read, I think it's like the nine dumb things about the Kyle Flood investigation. It is insane. So yeah, enjoy that. from this before I vomit. Yeah. And also, if it is not already well known, Kyle Flood is suspended for, I believe, two more games for that. And I'm sure there will be more to come down whenever it comes to repercussions from the Rutgers Athletic Department on that. And their president. I think they actually made a statement the other day. But anyway, yeah. So that's at noon on the Big Ten Network, so don't forget to don't forget to watch the that. VR. Oh yeah, totally. Rice goes to Waco, and the line also the line for the Rutgers game. Rutgers is um, favored by twelve and a half, and I'm taking Rutgers. Actually, I don't know about that. You want to do picks on this too? No, not on that one. Not on that <laughs> one. The line for the Rutgers game is twelve and a half, and over under sixty five and a half. Rice heads to Baylor. Line is 34.5 and over under is 76. 
I am taking Rice. Not straight up, just on the line. 3 p.m., by the way, in case anyone was wondering. Do you have anything to add? Uh, Baylor recover. Baylor cover? The 35? Jesus. Woof. Moving on, moving on, moving on. On ESPN at 3.30, Oklahoma State travels to Austin, Texas. Oklahoma State is favored by three, and the over-under is 61.5. I might take the Longhorns here. I would normally take Texas in this sort of situation, but I just feel as though the universe is just trying to cosmically torture Texas as much as humanly possible this season. So I'm going to say Oklahoma State wins on a one-point safety. (laughs) They actually win via a (laughs) dropkick. An accidental dropkick. Actually, I think Oklahoma State is a lot better in 24. I think they're probably a top-20 team this year. Texas' defense can't handle the Oklahoma State offense, and I think they win by 10 in Austin. And lastly, TCU at 445 on Fox goes into Lubbock, Texas. The line is 7.5 for TCU. The over-under is 79.5. Just go ahead and take the over, whatever the hell it is, even though I just told you what it is. And I just do not touch this game at all whenever it comes to betting. Just don't. Gamble on this. Just take the over, and that's about it. I am fascinated by this game, actually. This is actually a really interesting game. This is going to be one of those games, like, around, like, the fourth quarter. I'm going to be paying very close attention to the score. Yeah, I mean, our game should end right about when the fourth quarter of this game starts, I would imagine. It's going to be fun. You have anything else to add for this episode? I've got nothing. That was fun. All right, guys, enjoy the tailgating. 3 p.m. again. Saturday, West Virginia takes on Maryland, Fox Sports 1. Um, I think we're going to win. And then I think we will have a good time going into Norman, and it should be a good time. So Um, go 3-0 into this, like, October death. Oh, God, yeah. So enjoy the football season as it is right now. Just soak in, like, the good times. It's supposed to be 77 on Saturday. Like, we're favored by 70.5, over under 60. We should be good. Like, just enjoy it. Enjoy the tailgating. And just don't think about what's coming in in October. Just don't think about it. Just don't. Fair? Fair. Is it bad at this point I'm actually more afraid of the the Oklahoma State game than the TCU game? Because I I have no idea. I don't even want to think about October yet. So let's save that for next week. Wake me up when October ends. Guys, thanks so much for downloading, for listening. Thank you again to Johnny Holiday for joining us. That was a blast. And um, that's all I got. Enjoy the week. Yay. Yay. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. See ya. Yeah.